How to Create a Glitch Monologue Season 30 Chapter 7 This is Season 30 of How to Create a Glitch in the Matrix Monologues Episode 7. In this episode, we will be talking about the use of orthogonal thought in the context of integration using a real-world example. Now, in past episodes, we introduced the concept of integration. However, what we failed to do is explain how integration manifests in a social setting. We will do that with this episode. Suppose for a moment, you are seated in a restaurant. Now, suppose, that at this moment, you have acquired, or it has been imposed upon you, the state of integration. What does this manifest as, exactly? In the state of integration, all impulses and reactive emotionality is instantly expressed. This means that if you are a receiver of orthogonal thought, that is you consume the product of some exegesis, some decontextualization, it will immediately manifest as reactive emotionality. Likewise, if you exhibit some orthogonal thought, it will also be met with some reactive emotionality. How does this manifest in practice? Suppose, you are seated in a restaurant and you have a thought which is antagonistic to someone around you. That thought will immediately, and unconsciously, generate a reactive response from that other. In fact, all antagonistic thoughts, all dialectical thoughts, all thoughts of any kind, immediately engender a reaction from others, unconsciously. This has the effect of preventing you from producing enough dissonance for an orthogonal thought chain. What do I mean by this? Orthogonal thoughts are decontextualizing. They are generated when there is a dissonant space for them. They aren't reactively responded to, immediately, but rather able to acquire some sort of momentum in the dissonant space. They attain this momentum by possessing a quality of tautology, that is to say, they aren't reacted to because others don't have the language. Let's take this podcast for an example. If one was to just start listening to this episode, without listening to any preceding episodes, they would find it difficult to generate a reactive response because of the degree to which the language or rather the use of the language is unfamiliar to them. The context supplied by previous episodes is necessary to develop a meaningful reaction to the content of this episode, largely because the meaning of the terms is contextual. Which is to say that without the ability to generate a reactive response the linear thought processes of the podcast can reach further into the unconscious minds of others. It is this quality of the orthogonal thought, which makes it difficult for others to unconsciously react to the content of the podcast, arising out of the tautological nature of the narrative, which renders the thought capable, in the context of a dissonant space, to produce dissonance in others' behavior. Which is to say, that some level of pre-existing dissonance, is required, some space, for the generation of effective orthogonal thought, but once it reaches this threshold, it becomes easier to solidify that space, that dissonant space, through language. Now in past episodes, I referred to this quality, which makes orthogonal thought difficult to react to unconsciously, insulation. You could also refer to it as, space, in the sense of the, space, to change orientation and manipulate concepts internally for solidification of some dissonant space. The generation of orthogonal thought, the solidification of a dissonant space, is the other side of the experience in the taxonomy of an exchange between two friends, explained in past episodes. Namely, when you consciously reject an impulse, 
which others have affirmed, they must consciously reject the dialectical impulse, which you have affirmed, and in so doing, they transform that dissonance into avoidance. And this is an important point, namely that for every impulse rejected, which was previously affirmed, there is a dissonant consensuality, which means that your experience of the other is in their dissonant consensuality, which is why they appear so uninhibited to you. Thus, you are present in your dissonant consensuality, which is also their dissonant consensuality, but they are not truly present, as it exists for them as a separate space from their consciousness. And in that space, they exhibit a lack of inhibition, which is why they appear uninhibited. In other words, when you choose inhibition of a previously affirmed impulse, the result is that your experience of others is in their dissonant space, a space where they are not truly present. And their experience of you is in your conjoined space, which was extinguished by the loss of integration and the death of conjoined self. That's the end of the podcast for today. If you enjoyed it, please like, comment, and subscribe.